Our priest is a dying man. The dying men, women, youth. And I will preach as though I will never preach again. So God, God has his reasons for why he saves us in stages. Sanctifies us slowly, makes us fill up every day at his pump. Lest we forget where the gas comes from. Welcome to Follow Me to Heaven, where God's word is truth and your questions matter. I'm your host, Jonathan Romero, and today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 5, and we're going to be focusing on verses 11 through 14. We're going to be focusing on the reality of us as believers, as Christians, since we are light or children of light, then we are to walk in that manner and no longer participate in the things that the world does. So let's go ahead and uh, begin. We're going to start in verse 1 of chapter 5. We're going to read all the way until verse 14. And the Word of God says this, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is, an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true, and try to discern what is pleasing in the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper and rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. So, let's go ahead and go back to verse 11, and uh, let's dig in. Let's dig deep and really ask the Lord for uh, his help in trying to understand uh, what he is trying to communicate through Paul to us, right? Paul wrote the letter of Ephesians to the churches uh, in Ephesus, right? And it was meant to be passed around and uh, proclaimed and read aloud uh, to the others are in that are in that area or were in that area. But also we must understand uh, how we can apply this to us, right? This is God's eternal word, uh, and God has preserved it so that we can now read it as we are reading it now, right? It has been preserved, and uh, yeah, let's ask the Lord uh, for help. Uh, 
So let's reread verse 11. It says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. Right? So it says, Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. So since we are to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called, we are not to participate in the way the world works. And what is that? That is sin, right? Uh, the very reason why 10 out of 10 people die, right? We don't want to talk about death or we don't like to talk about death, but it's the reality um, of the consequence of sin, right? Scripture tells us in Romans, for the wages of sin is death, right? Sin is how we worked and the wages of that sin is death. That is due to you because you worked sin. And that's the way the world works, right? And it's called unfruitful works of darkness. <clears throat> that's an interesting way to, uh, uh, to put it. And people sin because they seek the pleasure, right? They get out of it. But it only leads to unfulfillment since once the act of sin is done, they seek to continue to sin as if it was unsatisfying. Um, that's a problem. Uh, well, we have to understand that these people, we used to be there and we know what sin does. It leaves us empty. It leaves us craving for more and wanting to continue in sin. Why? Uh, because there is no ultimate satisfaction. No one is fully satisfied. You still crave more and want more. Um, and there's a problem with that. Because the more you desire sin, the less you desire God. And as children of light, we are to have, uh, we have ultimate joy. Because we know the source of all things good, true, and right. And that is God himself. He's the one that determines what is good and right and true as his creatures and him as our creator. Uh, I'm God wants us to understand what we are to do and he knows what we are to do in order for us to be able to find full delight and that is found in him it is found in seeking after God and continuing in seeking after God, uh, proclaiming God's truth and his glory uh, to all people, right? Creation gives off glory to God. The flowers, they bloom uh, to the glory of God. The sun shines for the glory of God. The birds sing to the glory of God. So us as Creatures who were given minds to think. We have a conscience. Uh, and we have God's word and we can read the very words of God and what he wants to communicate to us. And if he causes us to not participate in the works of darkness, but instead expose them, uh, shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we want to desire to please the Lord in that manner? Because what happens when light is shined? or shown uh, in darkness. Well, darkness flees, right? There's no more darkness because there's light. Light overcomes the darkness. And here as children of light, we can see that 
we can find full fulfillment in Christ. Right? People who continue on sinning and living in sin, uh, we see and we read about um, many, many people falling into sin to the point of death. Right? They abuse substances to uh, kill themselves. Why? Uh, because they are unsatisfied. They are uh, grieving, but there's no hope for them. So us as believers who have the light and who are called to shine light, uh, shouldn't we do that very thing instead of just hiding within the four corners of, of the walls of our home or even church, right? Instead, we are given a command by Christ. And he tells us that since all authority of his has been given to him, or he even says he has all authority in heaven and on earth. And then he tells us, therefore, go. Right? As you are going, proclaim the truth, make disciples of all nations. And then it says, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. And like I said, what that is, is sin. So let me give some examples. Taking the Lord's name in vain. Right? Saying, OMG. Right, using God's name in a way to express disgust. That is taking his name in vain, and it's actually punishable by death in the Old Testament. So God takes that very seriously when you use his holy name and to drag it all across the dirt of the ground. Right? We have to truly set God apart as holy because he is set apart. As holy, he is holy. Um, lying, right? And no matter what color the lie is, you know, some people like to say that they uh, they only do white lies, right? Lies that actually uh, work for the good of the people to save someone from either shame or whatever that case may be. So they'll call it a white lie. The last time I remember, lies don't have color right? doesn't matter what color you give it. It's still a lie. And God says that we are not to lie, right? We are not to bear false witness. How about stealing, right? And God doesn't say you shall not steal anything that is above $100 or $50 or $10 or $1 or 50 cents or one penny, right? Stealing is stealing no matter the amount you steal or the value of whatever you steal, right? Stealing is stealing and there are consequences to that. How about lust? Looking at another person with sexual desire. Jesus calls that adultery in the heart, right? Not that he's changing the Ten Commandments, but what Jesus is doing, he's expounding that reality that what lust is, it is adultery. And he calls us to not commit adultery. How about hate, right? When you want to hate somebody or want nothing to do with somebody. Well, Jesus calls that murder in the heart. And he says that you have heard it said, should not 
commit murder, but I tell you, he who hates a brother has committed murder within his heart. Just because you did not commit the physical action of murder doesn't mean you haven't murdered them within your mind. So what Jesus is doing, he's getting at the matter of the problem, and that is the heart. The heart is the problem. The heart of man. And these are just a few things that God calls sin. And these are the very things that God causes to expose, right? But instead expose them. Listen to what it says in John 13, 34. This is one way in how we expose, right? It says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. This is verse 35. If you have love for one another. So we have a responsibility to expose sin when we see it. And here, the world, it says all people will know that you truly are my disciples. How will the world know? Well, because of our love for one another. They will see that and it will truly see, wow, you know, there's no hate in these people. But also, we do have a a responsibility to expose sin where we see it. And to tell you the truth, it begins within our local church. If you see a brother or a sister in sin, you want to expose that to them so that they may be able to repent right? How else are we to pray for those whose sin is near them if we don't come to them and let them know that they are in sin, if you know that they are in sin? And actually, on the flip side, James 5, 16 says, therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. So as believers, we are light, We are children of light. And not only that, if we sin, we desire reconciliation. We desire reconciliation with God and also we desire reconciliation with our brothers and sisters. So here in James, we are told and we are called to confess our sins to one another. And by doing so, we may be able to pray for one another. We now know what their struggle is, what sin uh, is holding on to them. And we can pray for them that they may be healed and God will cleanse us from all of our iniquities, of all of our sins. So yeah, we are to not take part in the unfruitful works of darkness, but instead we are to expose them. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 5, 9 through 11 says. It says, I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexually immoral people. Not at all meaning the sexually immoral of this world or the greedy or and swindlers or idolaters. Since then, you would need to go out of this world. But now I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality or greed or is an idolater, reviler, drunkard, or swindler, not even to eat with such a one. Right? 
that is crazy to think about how many churches do not practice this right here, this very thing that Paul is explaining to the Corinthians. He even continues to say, God judges those outside. Purge, purge the evil one or evil person from among you. Church discipline is vitally important within a church. Not only that, a healthy church. A healthy church exercises discipline when it is needed. If they call themselves a brother or a sister and they continue in sin, and they do not repent from that, they are not producing good fruit. They are participating in the unfruitful works of darkness. And what we are to do, we are to expose that to them so that they may repent. And if they do not, that's when we exercise what God calls us to exercise, and that is discipline. We are to discipline them in such a way that we are even told to treat them as a tax collector or a Gentile. Listen to what Jesus says here. Matthew 18, verse 15, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. So it's, it's very private when you approach someone who is in sin, right? You want to let them know, hey, uh, I, I've been noticing this and you are in sin. Let me tell you what, why this is sin, why this is wrong. And then it, he continues on saying, if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Amen, right? And in verse 16, but if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church, right? So this is in context to the local church wherever you are gathering in and are a member of. And it says, and if he refuses to listen even to the church. So after many, many times of calling them out of their sin and they do not repent, they do not turn away from that. It says, and if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. These are heavy words, but these are important truths that we must understand what sin does to us. It taints us. And if you call yourself a brother or sister and you continue in sin, uh, are you just being a hypocrite? We must really examine ourselves and if there's anything within us that needs confession, confess it to one another. Confess it to those whom you trust that will lead you to Christ, those whom you trust that will pray for you and will try to encourage you because as brothers and sisters, we must do that. We must encourage one another, right? As iron sharpens iron, it says in a proverb, so does one person sharpen another, right? When iron clashes against another iron to sharpen, it sparks. It's going to hurt. Yeah, but there is reconciliation and you'll be sharpened. And you'll be reconciled back. You'll be welcomed back. 
verse 12, it says, For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. Um, there are even sins that we must not even mention, uh, for it is shameful. So instead of exp- so instead of mentioning them, we are to expose it. How? By the truth, who is God, and also his word, right? It is alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. It is the word of God that will expose even the deepest, most darkest sins because it's sharper than any two-edged sword and it will cut through bone and marrow even to the soul. And the gospel, we are told that it is the power of God unto salvation. So no matter what sin you've committed, there is reconciliation if you confess your sins and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. If you truly believe that he is Lord, you will be saved. Right? We can get caught in a snare speaking of the things that should not be spoken of or that should not even be in our vocabulary, thus causing us to stumble into sin. Right? So we must be really cautious in how we speak of things, even speak of sins that are even, it says here, for it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But then we get to verse 13, but with anything, when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. So there you go. And actually, it could be better translated as, for it is light that makes everything visible. So you see, when you walk into a dark room, everything that is in it is exposed when you turn the light switch on. Then you can see everything that's in the room. Darkness flees whenever light comes into place. And we are to we are called to shine. But the only reason why we shine in the first place is because we are children of light. We have been brought out of darkness into light. Right? Verse 14, it says this. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. Christ will shine on you. And this is a quote coming from Isaiah verse, uh, chapter 60, verse 1. And this is an uh, invitation from Paul. And what he is doing is extending his invitation uh, to the people. And he is calling them unto salvation, right? This is for the unsaved people. And he is saying... Awake, O sleeper, who is the sleeper? And arise from the dead. These are unbelievers. And once they arise, Christ will shine on them. But the only reason why they will rise in the first place is because God has given them a heart that beats. They are no longer dead in their sins, but they are now alive to Christ. Let me read Isaiah chapter 60, verses uh, 1 through 3. It says, Arise, shine, for your light has come, 
and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples. But the Lord will arise on upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Notice that it says, but the Lord will rise upon you. And back in Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 5, verse 14, it says, Christ will shine on you. Um, this is a little Trinity bullet that you can add to your stash that Jesus is mentioned and is called God. Or here, it's in reference to Yahweh. This is truly an unbelievable reality and truth. And it is there. God is telling us here that Jesus is not only Lord, but he is the one that shines upon us, it says. And his glory will be seen upon you. Right? Verse 3, it says, And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. So in Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, it's speaking of the people coming, and it says, And many people shall come and say, Come, let us go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall decide disputes for many peoples, and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is what the nations will be saying. So whenever we go about our day and start exposing the darkness, uh, again, be vigilant in how we do it and understand that these are people, those who are participating in the unfruitful works of darkness. These are people who need salvation. These are people who need full satisfaction, true joy. And again, that is only found in Christ. Ultimate joy is only found in Christ. One thing to love about Psalm 116 is that once we're truly saved, we see and recognize the joy that we have in the Lord and how gracious and merciful the Lord was to us. Listen to what it says in verse 1, and I'm going to read it all the way till the end. It says, I love the Lord because he has heard my voice and my pleas for mercy, because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I will call on him as long as I live. The snares of death encompassed me. The pangs of Sheol laid hold on me. I suffered distress and anguish. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, I pray, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord and righteous. Our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. When I was brought low, he saved me. Return, O my soul, to your rest. For the Lord has dealt bountifully with you. For you have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. I will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. I believed even when I spoke. 
I am greatly afflicted. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. What shall I render to the Lord for his for all his benefits to me? I will lift up the cup of salvation and I will call in the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. O Lord, I am your servant. I am your servant, the son of your maidservant. You have loosed my bonds. I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people, in the courts of the house of the Lord. In your midst, O, Lord, o Jerusalem, praise the Lord. So here, here's a praise to God from the psalmist, and he is praising God for what God has done, and he has delivered him uh, from his affliction, from his sin, from seeing Sheol, right? Verse 5 says, Gracious is the Lord and righteous, and God, our God is merciful. The Lord preserves the simple. And one of my favorite passages or verses here in Psalm 116 is verses 12 through 14. It says, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? That basically means, uh, what am I going to give back to the Lord for all his goodness to me? This is a rhetorical question that he understands, truly understands that there's nothing that we can do But instead, verse 13, this is all that we can do. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows to all the people in the presence of all his people. Or I will pay my vows to the Lord in the presence of all his people. So what shall I render to the Lord? Well, I can't really do much, but instead I will just lift up this cup and thank God. Right? I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, it says in verse 17, and call on the name of the Lord. So that's what we can do. The salvation that he has given us is truly a gift, a merciful, gracious gift, right? So this is the attitude that a believer now has when he has come into the light and has become a child of light is the reality that we have nothing to give back to the Lord but our thanksgiving. He has made us alive. Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. This is a call to the unbelievers. And us as Christians, as now children of light, we are to do that very thing, to call them out of their sins, that they may put their trust in Christ, in Christ alone for the salvation of their souls, that they may, they may understand that the wrath of God is on those who have sinned against him and have not repented from their sins. You see, this is the, the very reason why Christ was put on the cross. Even his very name was given to him because he will save his people from their sins. And as believers, we rejoice in that. But remember, there's people out there who need Christ. So proclaim this truth. Reach out to them and love them. And again, continue to read God's word. Read God's word in such a way that you truly want to change. And even Jesus tells us that th through his prayer to the Father, 
that we will be sanctified by his word. Do you believe that? And if you believe it, then trust in it and be changed as you continue to read God's word that your minds may be renewed so that we may be able uh, to do what is right and good and true. This is Follow Me to Heaven with Jonathan Romero.